Shalom, and welcome to Torah to the People, a podcast from Temple Israel in Memphis, Tennessee. I'm Rabbi Micah Greenstein. We hope you enjoy this selection of our sermons, classes, and conversations with inspiring people from across the Bluff City and around the world. Shalom, I'm Rabbi Jeff Dreyfus. A few months ago, I had the honor of hosting a podcast series for the National Union for Reform Judaism called Spiritual Accounting, Insight from Jewish Business Leaders. I hope you enjoy this conversation from that series with Temple Israel members Mark and Michelle Levine. Enjoy. Good evening, everyone. I'm Rabbi Jeff Dreyfus from Temple Israel in Memphis, Tennessee. I'm so honored to be hosting this video podcast series spiritual accounting insight from Jewish business leaders. As a little bit of background on myself, before rabbinical school, I was an investment banker and worked for an energy efficiency startup before deciding to become a rabbi. And it's my honor and privilege to be able to interview Jewish business leaders from all over the country to learn about how Judaism and business and entrepreneurship uh, intersect in in their lives. So tonight, I'm very excited to welcome two very special people, uh, Mark and Michelle Levine, both um, from Memphis, Tennessee, where where I live, both people I know well, and I'm very excited to share their story and and have them be able to share their story with all of you tonight. Um, Mark and Michelle, welcome. Welcome to Spiritual Accounting. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Glad to be here. Well, I just want to begin by asking you to, before we get into the businesses that you've both built, you're both entrepreneurs, um, I want to ask where it all started. Can you tell us both, and you can, you can choose the order you're, you're married to one another, um, where, did, um, where did you get your start? What was your upbringing like? What was your home, like, home life like? And how did you get to where you are today? You want to go first? Yeah. All right, I'll go first. Um, so I grew up actually in Birmingham, Alabama. Um, so the son of New Yorkers. Uh, so that was an interesting upbringing in and of itself. Uh, I think uh, you could probably, uh, there's probably less than 5,000 Jews in the entire state of Alabama. So uh, it was definitely, uh, we, we, we use a term in our business called ethnography, uh, which is a fancy word for saying anthropology or a lot of business empathy, if you can, if you call it. And um, in a sense, I kind of felt like I was uh, able to look at and analyze my upbringing from the outside as I was growing up, because I was a little bit of a fish out of water. Um, And so that certainly carried into my uh, business life, which I guess we'll talk about here soon. But um, I was born and raised in Birmingham. uh, And I guess, should I walk you through the, the, the whole experience here. Um, yeah, sure. 
So yeah, so ended up graduating and going to Indiana University. Uh, I knew I wanted to have a business degree. Um, and I was also heavily into international studies. Um, this is gonna really embarrass uh, probably the, the former version of me, now I don't care. Um, but I used to read the Almanac when I was growing up. Uh, and so uh, I was so curious about the world. And, um, and you know, so I got an international studies degree and I got a finance degree and uh, ultimately traveled a lot, um, been to over 30 countries um, and studied in the Netherlands, uh, in Israel, uh, worked in Australia, although it wasn't a lot of working um, and ultimately uh, lived in Chicago after graduation uh, and got into consulting. And from there moved down to Atlanta where I met Michelle and uh, was doing investment banking as well. So I, I kind of have a sense for what you went through, Jeff, uh, in your former that's, life. That's a good way to put it, what we went yeah. through. Yeah. And, and so then after grad school, uh, ended up uh, in corporate strategy and um, realized uh, that I wasn't in love with the corporate world. And so I, I like to call myself a corporate refugee. Uh, <laughs> I um, wanted to find something with a little more meaning uh, and uh, ended up joining a, a boutique firm with just a couple of partners here in Memphis called Southern Growth Studio. Uh, we're an insights, innovation, and strategy firm that also does transformation work now. We've added that. And, um, and so uh, I certainly could tell you all about it, but that's what I've been doing for the last nine years. Wonderful. Thank you, Mark. Yeah. What about you, Michelle? Um, well, my family immigrated from Taipei, Taiwan. I was actually born in Taiwan. And uh, when they arrived uh, to Memphis, I, I think I was almost a year old. So I do tell people that I was raised here, although technically born in Taipei. And my mother's whole family is still in, in Taiwan. So I had um, I was really fortunate in that I got to spend my summers up until eighth grade going back every summer um, to to visit her, you know, my grandparents and my family in Taipei. Um, I think similar to Mark growing up as uh, Chinese American in uh, the South in the eighties was very interesting. And um, also like Mark, I'm a very curious person. My mother said that the first day of kindergarten, I didn't speak a lick of English and she was very concerned that I would be um, I thought I would just have a hard time and that I would be bullied, but I actually um, got my name on the board the first day uh, for speaking too much. <laughs> and uh, the teacher tried changing my seat every day, thinking that that would help, but I would just turn to the next kid and introduce myself. And even though I don't think I knew what I was saying, I was trying to, I was curious. And so my curiosity has led me through a lot of my life and um, uh, college was in Atlanta. Um, you know, I actually swore off the industry that I'm in because seeing that my dad was in it and still is in it, um, it just wasn't the kind of lifestyle that I thought I would want. Um, and, and what industry was that? Is that? Uh, the hospitality industry, uh, a restaurateur. And so, because it's very difficult, you know, to balance uh, in, 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 our, in our, in my industry, a quality of life with, um, I mean, well, with, with your job. And so, but I realized after traveling 
extensively abroad. I'm having so many international friends in college that I met that everything that I ever did was very food centric. And it doesn't matter if I um, can understand a language that you speak over a meal, I could experience a lot. Um, it's like the unspoken language. And so I, uh, and everything I ever did with my friends was always, you know, a potluck or some type of, you know, a barbecue or something where everybody would bring food. And I just realized, well, maybe this really is a calling. So I, you know, thought long and hard about it and um, actually went to go work for a restaurant group in Atlanta. It was a startup franchise called Doc J's. Um, where I got great experience firsthand and then decided to come back to Memphis and start a concept with uh, my dad, who is, of course, who greater than your parents to be your greatest cheerleader, but also your toughest critic, right? And uh, now we have uh, one restaurant and it's my brother, Alex, and my dad and I. Very nice. Very nice. I'm interested in, um, you, you both touched on this a little bit, but both kind of growing up as minorities within the community that you lived in. Mark, as a, as a Jew whose um, parents were from New York, and then you, you moved to, uh, a whole, same country, but really a whole world away to Alabama. Um, and then Michelle, as the child of, of Asian American immigrants or Asian immigrants, your first generation Chinese American, um, what was that like for you? Well, I always like to tell people that I, I felt displaced my whole life. Right. And um, but that displacement um, is kind of like feeling uncomfortable. Um, it really spurred me because of my curiosity to um, be outward looking and to always understand the world around me. But also in Memphis, what, what was difficult was I wanted people to be curious about me and my heritage. Um, and that was, you know, a bit more difficult. Um, but I don't think that I got um, resentful or bitter over it. If anything, it probably made me more determined to say, well, hey, you know, this is who I am. And, and uh, this is what, you know, this is how we celebrate um, the new year, the Chinese new year, for example. Um, and, and so I think that even throughout college, and even now, I think that who I am is, is, I don't belong to just one community, but I'm, you know, a mixture of many different communities that make me a whole. Very nice. Yeah. I, I think we share that. I, honestly, I think our upbringing is kind of what brought Michelle and I together. Yeah. Um, because, we about that a lot. yeah, we, we did, especially <laughs> when we were uh, dating many, many years ago. Uh, just like just <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I, I, I also have that curiosity, but I, I think my upbringing, you know, I, I brought the word empathy before. I, I think I, try to see things from other people's perspectives um, because I grew up thinking that other, <laughs> maybe other people didn't have to try that hard because they kind of, it came naturally. They, they're fourth, fifth generation. And so, you know, they kind of knew what their lot in life was going to be. And we were, uh, I think our family in general, uh, I'll speak for my family. I think we were all trying to figure it out, um, kind of make our own path. And so with that, you have to do a lot more thinking. <laughs> you have to try to, to see what's out there. Uh, I think that's what drove my curiosity in all honesty, because um, it wasn't just laid out there before me. Uh, it, it was something that I had to kind of peel back the onion and what's behind this rock, what's behind this, 
you know, and look beyond every corner to see, is that something, is that the direction I want to go? Is this direction I want to go? Um, and so that ultimately um, uh, was, I think, a big part of driving my career, um, frankly. Yeah, I really appreciate what both of you said in that. And I grew up also Jewish in the South. And it, I really appreciate what you said about growing up as a minority helps you to, to be able to see things from someone else's point of view. Um, when you, when everybody else is different than you, or maybe not everybody, but when, when the majority culture is different, you end up thinking about, you see th things every day through a lens different from your own. And you imagine how other people might see your life coming from a different perspective. And I actually think that that's a very Jewish perspective. Um, Abraham, the, the first he's not technically the first Jew, but the first monotheist or, or the founder of our people. Um, in, in the Torah, he's called an Ivri, um, which is what Hebrew comes from, Ivrit, um, which is Hebrew in Hebrew. That's uh, Ivrit is the Hebrew word for Hebrew. Um, the root of that is avar, which means to pass or to cross over. And so one idea of what it means to be a, a Jewish person is somebody who straddles the boundary between two communities and who can cross over um, from one to the other. And that seems like an experience that, that each of us had um, growing up with, with our various identities in our, in our various communities. So yeah. fascinating. Oh, great, yeah. Very much so. So I wanna ask, um, what, how has that background um, led you to where you are today? Um, and we'll, we'll get to that in a second, bridging those two things. But first, I actually just want to know, what, can you talk a little bit about both of your businesses today, what, what your businesses look like, what you do? Um, and then I'm also interested in, because this last year and a half has been such an incredible um, disruption to every business, wh whether for positive or for negative, um, what, is, what has COVID been like for your business? COVID has certainly impacted the restaurant business, so I'll let Michelle go first. <laughs> okay, let's see. So well, you, can, you can start with the business itself. But yeah. right. We are a family-owned um, local uh, Asian restaurant. I like to tell everybody we're like uh, cheers where everyone knows your name, except, you know, we don't have really a bar, but um, <laughs> people do come to us and we have our regulars and it's true. I mean, it's, we see the same people week after week and everyone that's new, we always are going to ask, how did you, you know, come to find us? I'm all, we're always very curious. Um, I have a team of 33 people and um, um, probably about 12 of them are full-time and the rest are all part-time. That includes uh, the operators, operating owners. And, um, you know, the restaurant Art Mosa has been around since 2005 um, as a concept, but it actually evolved from my family's restaurant, which started in 1978, um, and, and that was called Formosa, which I know many generations of Memphians have grown up on. So the people that always tell me that they've known me since I was like, you know, very little um, now are now my age, and uh, it's really wonderful to hear all all the different stories of people who've 
you know, eating our food and grown up and moved away and even came back to just to visit my dad and asking about my grandmother and my uncle. It means the world. Um, uh, let's see. Um, I, my, my business is definitely an extension of myself, which I know for some people they would say probably shouldn't do that, but so much of what I do, um, I, I actually, it kind of continues outside of into my personal life, but I found that besides just restaurant touring, that um, mentoring um, people, young kids, because most of the kids who work at most are between the ages of 16 and I would say about 25, um, is has been a great passion and a great fulfillment for me and uh, an inclusion and diversity of all different types. So religious diversity, um, I mean, definitely ethnic diversity, neurodiversity. Um, I make sure that we are uh, very well aware of each other's differences. And, and although it can be challenging for them at times and it makes them a little uncomfortable, um, I always tell everyone, you know, we all have a name, we all have a story. You just have to say, hey, you know, what's your name? My name is so-and-so. And I don't know, what do you like to do? You know, so then the, the conversation of friendship besides just a work friendship actually starts. And uh, it's really awesome to see so many of them build a friendship because they would have never met if they hadn't started working. So I like to tell everybody, it's kind of like the bridge builders experience. So if you're from Memphis, you'll understand what bridge builders is. And, and I did that when I was in high school and I remember thinking, wow, you know, how do you um, carry a, a, an experience like that into the real world? And I, I'm very proud that I think that you know, what we do at MOSA is an extension of that. And um, yes, okay, to speak of COVID, wow, so, yeah. Michelle, before you get to COVID, I, I am really struck by this notion of your restaurant isn't just a for-profit business, isn't just a place where you serve food, but it in fact is a place where you're creating, not just with your customers, but with your employees, um, a sense of, of community. Oh, um, yes. And so, I'm really struck by that. And I, I would love for you, because Bridge Builders is such a really transformative program. My, I didn't do it. My brother did it. Could you say a little bit more about what it is just for our listeners? Yes. So Bridge Builders is a program. It's a nonprofit that uh, takes um, kids as young as junior high all the way through high school. And you can you can either spend a week, I believe, or even longer, certain segments of it. it might be two weeks, but you come together and you come from all different walks of life. Um, and the, we're, we're kind of thrown together and divided into small groups, kind of like camp, right? But you have to, I mean, there are icebreakers. We're talking, these are, they purposely mix up the, the, the makeup of the group so that you're not really going to be with anybody that you can turn to for sake of comfort. So it's really, challenging when you're young to, you know, to get over the awkwardness. But to be honest with you, when you see young kids play at three, four or five years old, they're not going to know a difference. A friend is a friend, someone, you know, and so I, to me, that's how I feel like we should continue to be throughout life, which is don't look at the person or what they're wearing or where they went to school or who their mom and dad. I mean, it's all about the person in front of you. And so find out about the person who's in front of you and uh, share about yourself and like, see, you know, see how you can forge a friendship or even then like understand each other's strengths and weaknesses and how you can build a community. And um, 
So that's what Bridge Builders was to me. And I just remember thinking, I would love to feel like I was a part of a community like that every day. But then when I left Bridge Builders and got back into my high school world, um, it's hard, you know? Um, and so when Mark brought up the, per, you know, looking through life through a different lens because we both were brought up as minorities in the South, this was just even more of a, you know, like to me, uh, uh, it made an impact in the sense that I wanted to continue this and be able to make it a real life experience for myself one day. And I knew that whatever I did would have to integrate things like that, because to me, that brings me a lot of fulfillment and, and purpose. Yeah, I can imagine that one of the things very special, probably for both of you, but, but you articulate this, Michelle, is because you built your own business, you don't work for a big corporation, um, you can really craft the type of people you want to hire, and you mm -hmm. can really craft the culture and values that you want your, your company or your business to embody. And I think it's wonderful that you are fostering a community of people from all different backgrounds, just like bridge builders, you know, bridge builders brings together kids from all different parts of the city that would never otherwise meet um, right. and shows them um, once, once all of the things that we notice about people, the color of their skin, the price of their clothes, um, their body odor, because they don't have access to a shower or, or their perfume or, or whatever. Um, once you strip that away, you see the other person as a full human. Um, and so to, to recognize that and intentionally say, when I create my business, I want to try to foster that kind of community is really special. Thank you. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I'll just pipe in and just say that, uh, you know, that's the kind of interaction that's really lacking in today's world. Um, I think you have the ability to, to much more than when we were growing up, self-select who you interact with. Um, and, uh, you know, it used to be you had to interact with everybody. Uh, and I guess before our generation, there was the you know, people in the army and, and whatnot. But uh, I, I think these days, those types of interactions are few and far between. So uh, I'm a big fan of that program as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Mark, what about your business? And then if we have time in a minute, I do want to hear about the impacts of, of COVID on, on both your businesses. Sure. So it's interesting. I, I grew, <laughs> I knew growing up that I wanted to be in the business world and I thought that I wanted to quote unquote, make it in the business world. And that means, you know, success, uh, financial success, so on and so forth. So, you know, what's the path? Well, get into investment banking, get into strategy consulting, get the MBA. Um, and I realized over time that there, there wasn't a lot of heart and soul to that path. Um, and it took me a while to really pivot and, and make the choice to make a change. Um, and it wasn't easy. Once you have gone up a certain, uh, you know, oh, so far along the ladder, it makes it harder and harder to get off, you know, the golden handcuffs, if you will. And, um, but, you know, at one point, and, you know, this was probably nine years ago, I looked, Michelle and I had a long conversation. I said, you know, I'm not feeling the corporate world anymore um, and I want to make a change. And it just so happened uh, that there was a firm here in town who had taken me out to lunch, uh, a couple of the partners there at Southern Growth Studio. Uh, I mentioned before, it's a growth strategy firm. Um, 
And I was intrigued and we stayed in touch. And a couple of years later, uh, they made me an offer I couldn't refuse. No, I, I'm kidding. but uh, it was it, it was time and I decided to join them. And um, and I've been there ever since. I never looked back. Uh, and uh, it wasn't the path to riches, but it's been the path to uh, really a lot of uh, contentment and um, really never second guessed it. Uh, it's I often say to Michelle, I said, I don't know what I'd be doing if I wasn't at Southern Growth Studio, because it really it enables me to feel like the work that I do really makes a difference um, in people's lives. Uh, and it's not just earning a paycheck. Uh, and so what we do is, is really help, you know, whether it's founder-led businesses and entrepreneurs or whether it's senior leaders and corporations or nonprofits, um, we help them pivot toward growth. Um, oftentimes, uh, you know, either the world's turned on them and they don't know how to react to changes. Obviously with COVID, that's been huge. Or even better, uh, they are so successful that they have multiple paths that they can go down and they're not sure which path is the one that makes the most sense for them. And so we help them basically build clarity. Um, we, we present the options. We do a lot of primary research, uh, which is, you know, a lot of talking to customers talking to industry experts, um, you know, talking with prospects. Uh, and so we do a lot of deep dive interviews, a lot of what we call co-creation workshops, a lot of design thinking, uh, uh, many different methods. Uh, and I won't bore your viewers here with all of them, but uh, we then take all that and we marry that with, you know, where's the market headed? Where are competitors? What are they doing? What are the trends? And we help them build a path to either new products, a new product development pipeline, a uh, new service experience, could be a new brand strategy, could be a new offering. Uh, it's really whatever path makes sense for their organization at that time um, and, and gives them the ability to make a leap that they probably wouldn't have otherwise made because it wasn't as crystal clear. They might not have had the confidence to, to take that step. And so it's very gratifying to help uh, people take steps that they're unsure about and give them the confidence to do that. And, and so that's that's what I like to think I do every day, or at least what we try to do most days. Yeah, yeah. I really, um, one thing that really resonated with me and it, what you just said is when I was in investment banking, um, we I worked in mergers and acquisitions almost exclusively. And so we were helping either companies um, get sold. We were working on behalf of the seller or the owners of the company or helping buyers buy um, companies and advising them on valuation or the industry or whatnot, um, or, and some other, some other kind of combinations of the two. But what I always thought about as a kid about business, right? Quote unquote business is business is made up of this nebulous uh, thing called a corporation or that it's, you know, you, when you think about a brand, you think about a logo, which, I mean, especially with your marketing consulting, you know all about, all about that and how to do that strategically. But when you think about a company, if you're not in the business world, you think about it as being this distant 
kind of just very nebulous idea. But then when you actually start to work with management teams or founders or executives, you see that in fact, um, these are actually people that you're not talking about a logo or a commercial. You're talking about real people and real people's livelihoods. And um, even if even if the founders or the executives are um, quite wealthy, and oftentimes they are, um, they they have personal needs as well. But the they're not only implications for their finances, but for the finances of their employees or their investors. And many of if you're working with a public company, the investors are people's retirement funds. That it's not necessarily the wealthiest among us; it's everybody. And so one thing that I, I really appreciate about what you're saying is you you find meaning in not just connecting with the global business strategy, but looking across the table and seeing that you're helping another human being. Yes, uh, very well said, Jeff. I, I think, frankly, what's lacking in today's world and what people are craving, they call it the great resignation these days, is purpose. Um, you know, for so long, uh, we were in you know, the industrial age, uh, and it was all about widgets and making them faster and more efficient. And then it was the information age. Um, and now we're really in a whole new age. Um, you know, the, the age of the, of the human age, if you will, it's the age of the worker. Um, it's not about how fast you can make something. <laughs> Looks like a uh, Looks like somebody turned off the lights in here. Give me one second. A, what I said was so powerful. It, it really, uh, it it really was. Lighting. Give me one second. Excuse me. Okay. I We're going to cut this out, I think, on the um, – when we repost this. I, I'm live from Temple Israel, and – Maybe um, either it's our lights are on a timer or one of our staff just turned it off. So I will be back in about 45 seconds. Um, no this is a good time for a restroom break, a water break. <laughs> uh, I'll be right back. All right. All right. Well, welcome back, everyone. That We, we just had a little uh, pause for uh, inserting a commercial. So uh, thank <laughs> you for sponsoring whatever, whatever. Uh, company or restaurant decided to sponsor this podcast. But um, where were we? Uh, I think I was wrapping up. I was I was starting to get really into talking about the industrial age and the information age and uh, realized- About the human age. And now, yeah. yeah. Anyway, the, <laughs> the point of all that was just, um, you know, I think a lot of people these days are realizing that life is short and that their organization needs to not only have lip service about purpose and values, but actually embody the purpose and values. Um, and so the future of the business world is headed that way. That's what the newest generation, the new generation wants from their employer. And so, uh, you know, we're going, we're pivoting in that direction at our firm to help those organizations make that pivot themselves. Um, so it's an exciting time. Very nice. Very nice. So I want to come back to this issue of uh, finding meaning and purpose um, at the end of our conversation. But before we do, I want to ask both of you, um, in what ways does your Jewish identity or Jewish values intersect or interact with how you run your business? 
you want you want me to go first? And and Michelle, <laughs> I want to I want to I'll pose this specifically for you because um, Mark was uh, a Jew by chance, mm -hmm. um, but you were a Jew by choice. You you became Jewish mm -hmm. later in life, and so I'm curious about has your religious path your um, exploration and your um, kind of the, the journey that you've been on in your life, how has your, how have your different experiences and the different communities you've been a part of um, shaped your values as a business person, uh, both Jewish and, and maybe not Jewish? Okay, let's see. Um, I know I often hear you say that the Jewish community is very supportive of one another um, and that you sometimes Definitely. think that the, not that you're trying to compare one of the versus the other, but I hear you say that a lot. So I don't know if that's something that you wanted to talk about. Well, are you asking, okay, so I, in, before I converted to Judaism, when I look at the Jewish community, I've always thought how wonderful it was because as such a small group of people, while you could remain insular instead, you span the globe, you can travel anywhere in the world and talk about how your family celebrated the holidays. I think that the um, community um, carries its religion and its um, rich heritage through celebration of the arts, the humanities, music, art. I mean, all the things that I think feed your soul while knowing that your purpose in life, that we each have our purpose here, whatever it may be. And I think that spawns like the focus on um, community, especially at such a young age and knowing who your, what your Jewish identity is is an amazing thing, uh, whether, it, and, and I think that the fact that kids get sponsored a trip to Israel for his or her birthright is, I, I mean, I'm, everything was just, it just blew my mind away because, you know, being Chinese, I mean, there are a lot of Chinese people, right? But there, I just, and while my parents did find the Memphis Mandarin Baptist Church, they're one of the founders. Oh, wow. It, yeah. And while I uh, did go to, you know, Chinese school every Sunday before service, I didn't feel connected to the community. And I don't know if it was because of the religion or if it was just that the community of people and I, you know, they, I felt that they remained very kind of closed into themselves and private rather than um, saying, Hey, you know, like it's just a very different cultural way of thinking, mm -hmm. you know, Chinese people are taught to really just, they say, don't bother, you know, let's keep your opinions to yourselves. And I always, always somebody who gave my opinion, whether or not I should, <laughs> and I still do that. And then I ask a lot of questions. And so I think probably to some people in the Asian community, growing up Chinese community, they probably saw me as, wow, she's, she, she has a mouth, you know, like she talks a little bit too much, but that is who I am. And I really resonated with the values of the Jewish faith, especially in in the call to action yeah it was in in one of my in the uh, in the first um part of my um course load with uh uh oh my gosh rabbi greenstein you know in one of his um 
sessions, he talked about, you know, the Jewish religion being one where if you see that something should be done, go do it. Right. And, um, our, and then I just think so much of what we do, sometimes we, we think about the, I don't know, we think about, oh, should we, ought we, how is it going to be perceived? And I just think that when it comes to mitzvahs, I think a lot of things could be done much more, you know, quickly. I think when it comes to inclusion, people could think more than just of themselves. I think that the Jewish faith teaches community and, and it just is something that I've really uh, wanted, right. Identify, wanted and identify with. And so being a part of this community now has just been awesome. Hmm. Wonderful. And I can extend that to my, I guess my, my business very much. So. Yeah. One of the things we talked, we talked for a few minutes before uh, we started recording. And one of the things we talked about was the tremendous work you do as a restaurant in the community. And so when you, when you talk about the Jewish notion of a call to action, mm -hmm. um, I, I think, you know, all of the work that Mosa does supporting different organizations, it, there, Mosa is um, in, among the, the businesses that when an important new civic issue comes up, you are always part of it, whether it's um, being a sponsor, whether it's providing food, whether it, there's in so many ways. Um, and then also, so I'd love to have you talk for a bit about what you do and what drives you to do that. And then also one thing you mentioned a second ago that we talked a little bit about, about before we started too, was this notion of mentorship. And I, I love the idea of you are a part of the way that you create community in your business is by not just taking people in from outside and, and plopping them in uh, and expecting them to succeed and expecting them to help your business to succeed. But instead you actually put in time and effort in training them, um, not just in you know, how to do their jobs, but how to be part of the team, how to fit in, how to, um, how to better themselves. And I think it really resonates from a Jewish level. You both talked about um, how community, Jewish community fosters and supports one another, but it's a very Jewish idea that um, we read it every day in the Vahafta, Vishinantam Levanecha, and you shall you shall teach it unto your children. You shall teach the, the Torah, but you shall teach the way of, of life, how to be a good person. Um, not just to your children, I mean, yes, specifically to your children, but also to your metaphorical children, to the people you are you're helping and, and bringing into your community. So I really appreciated both of those aspects. But yeah. Michelle, if you could talk a little bit about oh, yes, the work, I'm sorry. right? And so, a little bit about the work Mosa does in the community, that'd be great. So we um, we we are involved in, in several different ways. Uh, we sponsor events. Uh, uh, one of our, our favorites being the uh, Soup Sunday uh, for the for youth villages, um, which is held at the Phoenix Forum. So you get to taste all the different soups uh, uh, from a community of restaurants and it's a family affair. It's only $20 and you really do get to see the entire community of Memphis come. Um, and, and then for we, those of you from outside of Memphis, the FedEx Forum is our NBA stadium and that's yeah. where our college basketball team plays as well. Yes. And then um, we also uh, sponsor Art on Fire at the Dixon 
So it's a beautiful uh, event and it's um, one that I really love. And um, my team gets to go in and every event that we do, the, whether it's fundraisers for the Memphis Youth Symphony, uh, the Forrest Spence uh, Foundation, fundraisers for Temple Israel, different schools, oh my goodness, Concord Academy, which is a school for uh, children, uh, students with learning disabilities. Um, it There's like a whole plethora of uh, different communities and nonprofits that we um, definitely aim to support. And I think that it's all an extension of, of who we are. And sometimes it's people working at MOSA who say, Michelle, my so-and-so is doing something. Could you, um, could you either donate or could you talk to, some, you know, we were trying to do a fundraiser. And I just feel that my business wouldn't be what it is without the support of the community. And the community is made up of so many different types of people and groups of people. So I have found that to be um, a, a really big, um, a, a goal of mine. And um, one that I don't think that my family back in the 70s and 80s focused on so much, but they're very happily doing it now. Um, and, and as far as the mentorship, I really want to empower the young kids that work at MOSA. You know, whether or not they want to do be in the restaurant industry forever, it's, I always tell them I want to be a stepping stone as, as a part of your growth. So for you to find out who, who you are, how you work best, what gets you to be motivated and why are you doing what you're doing and how can you do it, not just for a short term, but for the long term. And, and, and to really um, let them feel empowered. I mean, sure, they're going to you know, go through their struggles, but I always tell everybody, you know, when you make a mistake, it's an opportunity to learn. And there's no dumb question, right? I'll say that one of her earliest employees who worked with Mosa for 10 years is now our son's second grade teacher. Um, at Bornblum. Yeah. So at the, wow. And yeah. so life comes full circle. He's now uh, yes. teaching our child, uh, our second grader. Yes. And it's uh, it's amazing to see how he's grown. And we right. knew him when he was in high, what, high school. High school. And so. worked his way, I mean, through college and grad school. And, and um, yeah, I mean... I probably have over, golly geez, 30, 30 or so people that I keep in contact with. And we, it's just amazing, you know, for me to see their life journey. Um, and to think that um, I had hopefully a small aspect of, of, of it <laughs> is, is really meaningful. And you also serve on two boards in town as well. I do. Yeah. I serve on the board of Concord Academy oh. and um, also um, AIR, which is Advocate for Immigrant right, which I actually had a meeting right before this, but uh, they uh, provide legal services for uh, people who are underserved, um, well, illegal immigrants, so. Yeah, so she's busy. <laughs> right. But uh, I, I see, I'll just jump in and say, I see the impact that Michelle and her family have on all these lives. I, you think of a restaurant as just being a restaurant, but they really manufacture the culture and the sense of it's organic. It's not like uh, it's all planned or anything. It's just who they are. And, um, and uh, you, she has an amazing ability to, to find amazing people to join at a very young age. Um, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I've been. There's no rhyme or reason as amazing. to what fits. I think I just, 
you know, when I interview um, a, a, a person in front of me and oftentimes it's referral because the kids refer people in, you know, I haven't actually really taken an application off the street in like eight years, but um, it's just a system of, um, you know, oh, I think I might know somebody who would fit well here. And that fitting well takes a lot of reflection on their end to say, well, what do you mean? And I always tell them, what do you mean by how they would fit? Do you have an idea? And uh, they do. And then most of the time when they actually get in front of me, I, I always have my my go to questions are just tell me a bit about yourself and your, you know, who you are, how you grew up and your family. And then what are you interested in? And then it's like, you know, your strengths and weaknesses. You know, if you can tell me five things and it's really hard because I tell them nothing will be used against you. I promise. Uh, it's I said it's just more of a conversation rather than an interview, but it allows it, lets me see whether or not they a know who they are, if they're articulate and can communicate it, and if they're willing to, you know, grow, you know, because they're they're reflective enough to know all these things, hmm. and you have to adjust all the time, right, to the person who you're with and the person who's in front of you in my industry, and um, yeah, and it's very hard to do that when you're 16 or 15 because it's always about just you, <laughs> you know. Yeah, but you're giving them an opportunity, as you as you said. But really, work gives them an opportunity to develop these skills that they need. No matter what, if they're in the restaurant industry, if they're in any job, the ability to articulate um, their thoughts and to be to have good people skills. It's it's for Mark for the the human age that we're in now. Um, you know that's critical. But Mark, um, what about you? What what in what ways? Do, does your Jewish identity and the the Jewish values that you hold, how does that impact your your business life? Yeah, and we briefly touched on this before we got on the call here. You know, it, as a consultant, you know, one thing that you always have to balance is what the client wants to hear and what you and what you think is uh the authentic answer that they need to hear. Um, and sometimes those two don't overlap. And so my partner and I, we have made a conscious effort to always tell the truth as we see it, um, regardless of who we're speaking with, whether it's the CEO of a multi-billion organization or a mid-level manager uh, who, you know, we think maybe making incorrect assumptions. Um, and even, you know, not, not, not to say we're always right, but we always want to be authentic and reflect the truth as we see it. And so uh, I think that's one way that it's impacted me, um, you know, that uh, I'm not going to sacrifice, uh, I think the word you used was integrity um, for my Canadian client. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, go ahead, Michelle. I just also want to add that Mark, um, Mark's company, they also uh, mentor, they have internships and they always have internships from uh, college students, you know, from the different colleges, universities here, and they get real life experience. I mean, just much more so hands-on than I would have ever imagined. Mark, Zach, Mark and Michael give them the opportunity to go to client meetings and present client presentations and it just is wow you know um 
I would think to, and, and they're both, I mean, I think, um, nice people to work with in the sense that they explain things to you. It's not just, oh, you're, you're an intern here and just do your, put in your 40 or 50 hours. They're act, actively engaged and making an impact. And I think what greater way to spark um, confidence and empowerment, you know, when you're 18, 19, 20, right? <clears throat> so he doesn't, that, you, you, I just wanted to brag upon him <laughs> and Michael, the studio. No, it's, it's <clears throat> you know, I, I would say that that's been something that we try to, we always try to have at least one intern if not multiple. And um, we actually started the TI fellowships, uh, or I guess I should say you did, and we supported it um, back uh, many years ago, Jeff, and uh, uh, missed that program. Uh, wish it was still around, but, uh, you know, that was an embodiment of, of, you know, exactly what we're trying to do is, is give people a leg up in the career ladder so that they can keep going and, and have somewhere to start. So uh, I think Michelle does that through her business and, and we try to do that through ours, although with much fewer people. It's just yeah. so interesting that we both do that and unknowingly that we would, that we would both do that, but we do. <laughs> right. At, at, um, at a cost, right? I mean, the time that you spend developing your, your people is time that you could spend getting clients, time you could spend doing other things. And so it really is a conscious investment that you're making um, in the future, not maybe not of your business. I mean, I'm sure that you have a lot of very bright interns and, and that there's some value add, but you're really investing um, just through your own generosity in people, in, in other people. One, one thing I want to add that, Mark, your, your um, notion of, of truth, um, we talked a bit about this before the podcast, that there's many ideas about God, and, and one of the ideas about God is that God is the source of truth, um, that God is kind of an embodied, embodiment of truth. But um, there's a midrash, there's a, like a rabbinic story from a couple thousand years, 1,500-ish years ago. And in the story, it, it imagines if you, if you die and you get to the gates of heaven, um, what are the angels going to ask you? Um, when you get to heaven and the rabbis are kind of going back and forth and saying, I think that they ask you this. And someone else says, I think they're going to ask you this. But one of the things that they imagine that they, um, the angels ask you to whether or not you're going to get into heaven. It's not um, how many ham and cheese sandwiches did you eat? It's not, you know, how many times did you go to Shabbat uh, to temple for Shabbat? No, they say the question you get asked is, were you honest in your business dealings? Mm -hmm. and, it really speaks to, to this notion of, of ethics and, and being honest. And you're right, like you could make more money in the short term, probably um, by not being quite as forthright, fort, forthright, excuse me, with your clients. Um, but that's not the type of business you wanna run. Yeah, that's, uh, that's exactly it. Uh, I mean, I don't, <laughs> I don't know about the afterlife and all of that, but uh, I, I will say, <laughs> who knows, right? But um, I, I will say that that's what we try to do. Uh, we try to be authentic and true to ourselves. And, um, you know, uh, I suppose that it certainly comes from my upbringing and Jew Judaism is certainly a major part of my upbringing. So, uh, you know, I, I love that they're connected. So my last question is, Judaism is a project in some ways of finding meaning, 
there, there are many paths to this. Judaism isn't the only path, but I would say one of the, the goals of Judaism is to find a life full of meaning. And we do that in various ways, through community, through the study of Torah, through, through prayer. Um, but in what ways do you find meaning in life? And in what ways does your business help you or, or hurt you? Um, but I think with both of you, it's a pretty safe question uh, to say help you uh, find meaning in life. Uh, I'll go first, sure. Um, so, you know, my partner likes to say that some people have a job and some people have a vocation, which is a, a calling. Um, and, and so when you have a calling, in some respects, you're not working, you're, you're meeting the call. Um, hmm. And I think I was working for most of my life until nine years ago. And now I feel like I've found my calling. Um, and I think that that's rare in a lot of ways. I think most people fall into something and they have trouble hearing the call. And so um, I think you did that too, uh, switching from investment banking to becoming a rabbi. Um, and I think Michelle, uh, when I first met Michelle, she was not a restaurateur, uh, I'll tell you that. And, and I could tell that she's found her calling um, in many ways. And so I, I think we're lucky um, and it's not an easy thing to do. Uh, oftentimes it means you're sacrificing what you know for, for the unknown. Um, and you're taking a leap. And um, a lot of people, frankly, won't do that. Um, they won't take that leap. Uh, and so that is really, I think once you've made the leap, it's gonna be hard in the beginning. Um, my dad, who's on the call, uh, and muted and blinded, you can't see him, but he, I think he found his calling um, and he was laid off uh, in the 1980s uh, from his job in corporate America and ended up becoming um, a, a real estate, commercial real estate broker. And, and he gets to help entrepreneurs as well. And so I say all this, I, I think sometimes you get lucky falling into it. Some people, it happens upon them, uh, but you have to look for it. When the opportunity is there, you have to be ready to go meet it. Um, and, and listen to what's inside instead of um, doing what I guess is inertia, uh, just what's going to continue if you don't make a change. So, uh, And to continue that thought, I think that we both were raised in families where both um, we had parents that supported one another. So we got to see our own parents because both of our parents were entrepreneurs and they had the support of their spouses and the sacrifices that were made. I mean, truly it made an impact. And I think that Mark and I, since we both, you know, have our businesses that it's always a continual um, communication, you know, an effort being made for us to understand how can we both continue to grow and evolve, you know, individually. And also like uh, as, a, as, as, as a couple, but then also um, as business owners, because I think that that's one of the most important things, you know, um, I really try hard to always look to the next year and to say like, you know, how can I do this differently or how can I grow and uh, evolve? And 
because personally, I would get really bored if I did the same thing. And it, it, even the purpose of what I did would, would probably lose a little bit of meaning if I didn't challenge myself to grow. And I think that Mark and I, you know, he's one thing I always respect. I've always respected Mark is that he'll always challenge me uh, in, in more ways than I can think about. And he always asks me to be true to myself. And one of the hardest things is being true to myself. And um, he just always presents it in such a way that it makes me, you know, I take a deep breath and I settle with it and I feel calmer and more confident and more sure and, and not afraid, you know, um, because it, I am who I am. Right. And it, it won't, it definitely won't stop me from making mistakes, but I'll always try to be a, a, a better, a, a better version of myself the next day. And there will always hopefully be a tomorrow, you know? You, neither of you said this, but I think you both in speaking about how you support one another show that not only do you find meaning in what you do in your own individual professional lives, but by supporting one another, the, the bond that you create, but also the, the ability to allow your partner, your life partner to flourish actually helps you as individuals find meaning as well. Definitely. I want to ask you in our couple minutes we have left about one thing you mentioned, Mark, which is that sometimes our professional lives don't lead us meaning. We have work, but we don't have a vocation. Um, and I'll speak for myself. I, I liked investment banking and, and finance, and I found it stimulating, but it, it didn't give me ultimate meaning. Um, but outside of work, I was able to find things I really did find meaningful. And one of the, one of the things I did was um, with you and with Rabbi Adam Grossman, who's now at the Union for Reform Judaism, and, and two of my good friends, um, an investment banker and attorney, David Edelson and Sam Fargetstein, um, we started this program called the TI Fellowship, the Temple Israel Fellowship that brought Jewish college students and recent grads to Memphis. Um, and we, we helped them create community. We provided housing and, and internships. And uh, some of our, our fellows were lucky enough to work with you at Southern Growth, but finding something outside of work that filled me up um, spiritually or, or meaningfully was, was the way that I did it when I didn't find uh, meaning, so much meaning in what I was doing. For professionally. And so I'm curious, do you find, how, how would you break down, you, you're, you're both lucky in that you do find meaning in your work, but are there other things in your life? And we'll close with this. Are there other things in your life, your family, your community, your volunteer work that bring you um, in concert with your, your professional lives, meaning and fulfillment? I think you've already mentioned a lot of them for, you know, mentoring. The, the, Are you saying personally, how do we find? You talk about outside of work, uh, hobbies, uh, other things we do. Hobbies, being a part of community, raising your kids. I'm just. Oh, I see. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and we I know your kids are in the next room. I was going to say, uh, and the movie just ended. So uh, we're in trouble here. <laughs> Um, yeah, Ryan, the lost drag, um, the last drag. I, I will say that we haven't even talked about our children yet. And, and really they are what we most treasure. Uh, obviously I'm, I know <laughs> all parents will say that, but, uh, 
you know, uh, we've gotten to know the special needs community here in Memphis. Um, mm -hmm. We have a son on the autism spectrum and, um, you know, he's a joy. And we uh, have really bonded over the ability to make an impact in his life. Um, and, and we've also met a lot of just great parents over the years and great professionals who, who are caregivers um, who also work with these young kids. And, um, and I have a feeling, you know, that that'll become a bigger and bigger part of our lives. Um, I know we're talking about ways that we can be more active in the special needs community. Um, and, and so I'm not sure what else to say about that other than that that's a big driver of, of you know, outside of work, um, of what we do every day. He also plays on the uh, 30 and over basketball league at the J. <laughs> For a while there, though, he, he was still in the 18 and over, but then he had to move the so basketball is one of Mark's greatest joys. Yes. 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 And, a, and, a, and a big Grizzlies fan at that too. Very, very. So, yeah. What about you? Well, let's see. Um, I really enjoy uh, reading, uh, catching up with my some of my closest friends, of course, who no longer live in Memphis. Um, and I, I used to love uh, running until I was told that I couldn't run anymore because um, hip dysplasia. But um, that exercising, it really helps me to just bring clarity and, of course, unload some stress. But, um, um, you know, we also both love to travel and um, our kids are now just old enough. Before we had kids, we would go somewhere internationally every year. And now that they're old enough, we hope to start that tradition soon because, you know, the, there's so much to the world to see. And, and there are two very curious little people. Uh, with a lot of questions. So uh, <laughs> we hope that they understand, you know, that and experience the joy of, of being curious and traveling. Yeah, it's, it's, we get to be curious through our kids' eyes uh, and ears, uh, you know, it's like we're kids all over again. So it's it's a lot of fun to, to see things through their eyes for the first time. Okay. Well, thank you both so much. It's been a real, it's been a real joy to be in conversation with you for this whole community, Union for Reform Judaism, Jews all over North America, who are going to be able to tap into your wisdom to, I, I'm inspired, and I think they will be as well, for how you've brought um, meaning into your business, into your lives, and um, thank you. I can't wait to continue this conversation um, and this relationship in the future, because y'all live in Memphis. <laughs> Same here. Thanks Same for here. having us. Thanks for having us. Take care, everybody. Aaron Have a good night. Good night. Good night. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Spiritual Accounting. If you want to check out the entire series, head over to RJ, like Reform Judaism, rjonthego.org. For this entire series, as well as engaging and enriching Jewish content for Jews of all ages and all backgrounds. Take care.